Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill-Smith. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode seven. Jen, how was your week? Good. It was good. Nothing too exciting, which is... Good, Exciting. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, how about you? Um, good. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I have a bunch of shows this weekend, and Giddy. so I. Yeah, I haven't been doing a ton of stand up, so I'm excited to get back into it. Nice. Um, I'm excited to get back into this podcast. Oh man, me too. Good segue. Uh, yeah. See how I did it. <laughs> that was like so smooth. I know. I thought it might sound a little bitchy, like, oh, you are? Oh, yeah. I'm excited about (laughs) this podcast. Oh, you're doing some shows? Okay, great. (laughs) We all have shows, Sally. (laughs) Um, No, but I really am because um, I'm excited about both of the stories. I'm always excited about the stories that we have, but I'm like pretty excited. Yeah. You know, it's a good story when you're like, itching to tell it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Um, So let's start. Like, you have a quickie? Yeah, I'm going to start with the quickies this week. Okay. Um, So Tom Rossi was a happily married man to his wife, Denise, uh, of 25 years. They were married. Um, He claims that they were the perfect couple, that they never had any issues or no major fights. He says, and quote, "Uh, we shared the same bathroom and we even shared the same electric toothbrush. Oh, no thank you. I know. I'll buy you. A toothbrush. Yeah, bathroom. I yeah. know. That's we all share a bathroom. The telltale of like no. the perfect. That's gross. <laughs> but if he was like, we even hold hands while we poop. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that. Um, but anyway, so he thought they were the perfect couple. Um, so you can imagine his surprise when in January of 1997, he was served womp 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 with divorce papers. Oh, no. Boo. Did he hate um, Frozen too? From um, your story from last week? No, this had nothing to do with the movie Frozen. Ah, boring. Um, so more than two years after the divorce, um, he goes out to his mailbox and he sees this piece of mail that was actually addressed to his ex-wife. And it was one of those like solicitation pieces of mails from a company yeah. um, that happens to pay lump sums for lottery winners and big legal awards. Um, it said it was... Uh, it's from statewide funding, and it said that it helps hundreds of lottery winners like you around the country receive a lump sum payment for the present value of their future and annual lottery payments. And he was like, huh? Wait, so she had won the lottery? What? Lottery payments, uh-huh. Oh, So okay. he, uh, he was like, I don't understand. So then he looked into it, and then... Um, the state, uh, the California State Lottery Commission confirmed that on December 28, 1996, just 11 days before she filed for divorce, Denise Rossi won $1.3 million in the California lottery. Oh. So then she was like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> but she I got my ticket. And she had taken the like the annual installments of like 66000 yeah, a, um, a year, which doesn't seem like that much. It's what? enough to quit your job. Yeah. For sure. I would. Anyway, so um, so he uh, so he found out, yeah, that his wife had won the lottery right before she filed for divorce, and then he also learned that she went as far as to having the lottery check sent to her mother's address, um, so that he didn't. He, she was like definitely trying to keep it. Yes, from her. she was like, I don't um, want to share this money. 
Yeah. Because we have been sharing a toothbrush for two years. Yeah. Like, like you for how many years? Let me have a toothbrush. Right? Like, he was like, there's <laughs> no way you're going to let me have this money. He's like, but why? We're best friends. <laughs> um, so they live in California. They don't have that accent. I don't I just <laughs> a picture. Um, so he... Um, so he obtained a court injunction a few days later. He said that his shaky finances in the aftermath of the divorce made his wife's secret even more despicable. Like, you know, she had all this money and he's right. sitting here like, you know, Well, and it's, it's like a marital property state, right? Or what yeah, is that the right? under the California yeah. laws, it's like 50-50. Everything has yeah. like what's yours is mine when people get divorced. Um, so... Um, so they went to court and Denise tried to like fight it, of course. And she even tried to tell the court that the lottery ticket was a gift from a coworker. Uh-huh. Like, here you go. Here's the <laughs> winning lottery ticket for free. And right. so what does that have to, like, if you still have the money, you have the money. Well, I think it's, uh, I don't know exactly how California law works, yeah, but uh, I know I'm like, God, this, this is going to, I'm going <laughs> to, like when I see, sometimes when I see law shows and the law is so wrong yeah it like makes me cringe and I feel like that's how people if they're listening and they're actually lawyers are hearing me talk about the law and they're like no that's wrong that's wrong but so here's my um here's how it works okay (laughs) um is that if you get a gift or like so if somebody like if you got an inheritance or a gift then that is just to you then you can keep that and that's not considered marital property right um, or if you had the money before you came into the marriage then that's not considered but anything that was obtained while you were that you bought with pr- community together. property money okay. together so if it had been a gift to her then she then it didn't it wasn't to him so if like i gave you a shirt and you and Zach got divorced he couldn't be like that shirt is half mine. Right. You so like, this that's was a like gift. in Shawshank yeah. Redemption when Andy Dufresne's helping the police officer and he goes, do you trust your wife? And then the guy's like, what do you mean? Do, I trust? do yeah. you remember? <laughs> yes. I, I just went down a movie rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, okay, I get it. I get it now. Thank you for explaining that to me. Lawyer Sally. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime, ma'am. That'll be $200. Yeah. Um, So, no, yeah. Okay. So now, so I guess that's the angle she was working with was she was trying to pretend that she got, it was a gift. So she didn't have to like disclose it. So the Superior Court Judge Richard Denner determined that she acted out of fraud and malice and he based his decision on a deposition in which Denise admitted that she concealed her winnings because she didn't want her ex-husband, quote unquote, getting his hands on them. Mm-hmm. So she like, you know, outed herself there. So um, so the judge ruled that she had violated state asset disclosure laws and awarded her lottery winnings to her ex-husband. <gasps> Every single penny no. went to him. And then his attorney says, the moral of the story is it pays to be honest from the beginning. Um, so Ugh, I hate that story. I know. So they, like, I don't know how, I, I honestly don't know how I feel about this story. Really? Like she, I feel like she shouldn't, it was shady as hell to, like, you, you mean know, to, to be like, Oh, I got a win and then and then ask for a divorce because she got a lottery win. Yeah, but then also like what if you won the lottery and your husband was making you shared toothbrush? That's what I mean, see that's the detail that you're like and then you win a lottery and you're like, finally I can get out. This is my literal ticket out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I think that's how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've really worked through some things here. <laughs> so, so that's my quickie. Good. Jen, my quickie is actually a write-in. Yes. I'm so excited I about it. write-ins. Uh, this is actually from Conrad Bromberic. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to hear this. Yeah. Song. So he is a comedian from Atlanta, and he... Very, very funny. Very, very funny. And, um, and he wrote us... Um, he said, hey, Sally and Jen, first off, love the podcast. I just had to put that part in there. And then he said some very nice, nice things about it, um, which we gave him money to write. Um, but then he shared this story. So here it is. I used to write poetry to the girl I liked when I was in high school. We were very good friends for years, and my feelings for her grew to love. She knew I liked her. She turned me down multiple times, but I was head over heels for her. Even after her and my best friend made out through the majority of my birthday party, uh, where we went to see the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> two towers. <laughs> I love that detail of like, he's just like, you guys, you guys, are you seeing the movie? <laughs> and they're like, nah. Um, oh, my heart. I, I know. I still could not keep her off my mind. Looking back, I definitely bordered the line of being a creeper, even though my intentions were always to make her happy. I can just picture him, can't he's you? the sweetest Thing. Yes, just yeah. being like, but I, you know, it's okay if you make out with my best friend. I just, you're such a special person. <laughs> um, and I can also, I have this picture of this girl. Ugh. Um, <laughs> one time I even broke curfew because she wasn't feeling well and wanted a Sprite to settle her stomach. So I drove to the gas station, even though I only had a permit at the time and wasn't legally allowed oh. to drive without a parent, got her a Sprite and dropped it off off at her house he was breaking laws for her he was breaking laws for her anyway my junior year of high school we would cross paths between third and fourth period so once a week i would write her a poem and hand it to her they were mostly funny and just trying to get her to smile one day she was sad because she had lost one of her favorite things oh sorry favorite rings i told her not to worry about it because the next day i would give her a diamond ring she told me not to worry about it. It's too much money. I love my kids. Like, she's just like, oh, no, no that's too much. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, that's just like too much yeah. for high school. Um, you don't have to buy me a diamond ring. Right. <laughs> you know, you're not. I mean, if you want to, but go ahead. But um, And he said, don't worry. I'll get you one. So the next day, I handed her the poem that I attached to this email. So I'm going to read it. It's called The Diamond Ring. Um. I'm going to try it. Uh, comrade, I'm going to try and do it justice. I'm sitting at class trying to pass the time, writing down words that hopefully rhyme. You're in art making beautiful paintings, maybe thinking of me. That would be entertaining. <laughs> I know it's not much to pass this note in hall, but it's all I can give when in love I did fall. And I hope these words bring you smiles and things because the name of this poem is A Diamond Ring. Oh, so clever. So I gave a diamond ring. So, so he says, we ended up going on one date to walk around a park and watch the stars over the lake. That was my first kiss make out. Uh, the date ended with me driving her back to her house and I asked her again if she wanted to be my girlfriend. She said yes. And then we kissed and I went home. And then the next Aww. day, I woke up to a text from a mutual friend saying that the girl I liked left a letter in my ma- mailbox. It said that she liked me, but couldn't be my girlfriend, and that I was the best guy in the world, and I would make someone so happy, blah, blah, blah. And you will, Conrad. And you will. So I ended up getting the girl of my dreams at the time for less than 24 hours. The Aww. last time I talked to her was when she invited me to her wedding, and I declined. 
Oh, I know, Conrad, that is the sweetest story. And you know, he writes poetry still. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. So I was going to say, he actually, um, if you want to check out, um, you can find him on Twitter at Conrad is Silly, um, or you can find his book of poems called Cute and Deep, um, which you can find on Amazon. And thank you so much, Conrad, for writing in. Yeah. Oh, my. He's the nicest. He's so funny. Oh, my God. Like, so you funny. Wouldn't, like, his, he's really, like, surprised because he's pretty... Um, like reserved and quiet uh-huh. I guess like I'm um, really kind and reserved and quiet and once you get to know him he's very silly like Conrad is silly but um his stand-up when he gets on stage he's like another person and it's yeah hilarious. I love that yeah that's my favorite kind I of stand-up it's just really really silly stuff so thank you Conrad and everybody please um write in your stories they can be silly or sad or um or Murdery, <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. you killed Scandalous. anybody? Scandalous. Want to know? But only if you killed in the name of love. Yeah, only but as long as they're about love. And email us at dumblovepod at gmail dot com. Hey Sally. Yes, Jen. Oh my god, dude. Okay, so this story is so crazy. I I happened upon the story when I was going down a YouTube hole of researching a different story that yeah. I was doing, and I read the headline and on the video and I was like what and then I clicked on it and then I just switched gears completely okay because the story is so nuts okay so uh Tim McNamara who was known to his friends as Mac owned a very successful apart orchard in Sopa Lake no it's Soap Lake I have a typo here (laughs) (laughs) Soap Lake Washington um it was worth um between 1.2 to 2 million dollars like he was pretty wealthy and he was married to his wife Vicky and he had two children Caleb and Jennifer who were kind of grown okay um and then they were all very well known in their community um because they were it was a very small town and they were kind of the richest yeah um the rich family of the town uh, there were the McNamara's. The McNamara's? <laughs> oh, the Apple McNamara's? Apple McNamara's. <laughs> and then, um, so on the other side of town lived another woman um, by the name of uh, Tracy Nestle. Well, she was young. She was like about 17 years old. Okay. Um, so she, she was younger and she came from like um, a broken family. She didn't know who her dad was. Um, they all knew each other in the town. Everybody knew each other. But she always like admired the McNamara's mm-hmm. because, you know, they were, a, you know, to a family and they had all this wealth and they were like the picture of what a family should be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so at 17, Tracy moved to North Carolina and from Soap Lake, Washington and uh, got married and kind of started her own family. And then one day she gets uh, a wedding invitation to... Um, Tim or Mac, um, Mac's daughter, Jennifer's wedding. Um, so like I said, it was a small town, so everybody knew each other. So she was just kind of invited too. so Tracy decides to go to the wedding and the wedding was beautiful and great. Um, but she starts to find herself attracted to Mac, um, and who is 22 years older than her. Okay. Um, So, um, so he's in the middle of going through a divorce, um, and um, Tracy is in a relationship too back home, um, and they kind of are attracted. They're attracted to each other, but um, 
you know, she goes back home, but after a while, and both of their relationships are over, his divorce is over, her relationship is over, um, she decides to go back to Soap Lake, where her and Max start a really um, passionate relationship. Uh, they, um, they had sex a lot? Uh, yeah, they boned <laughs> hard. <laughs> they just really passionately stared into each other's eyes yeah, all the time. <laughs> they just looked at each other a lot. Um, so... Uh, everyone in the town was started talking immediately. It's a small town, and like, who is this? He's now this guy is with this younger woman, and what the heck? And then, so while people are talking, everybody's like, "But wait, like, I'm pretty sure that isn't like." There's a rumor in our town that her father is um, Denny McNamara, which is Mac's brother. Oh no! Which would make her. Him, her uncle. Oh, no. Yeah, and so it turns out that is the case. So he is definitely her uncle, but the couple decides to stay together anyway. Okay. Because they're just so in love. Okay, so then just... Wait, so did he didn't know that she was his niece? I guess he didn't. I don't know how, like, some townspeople knew, and it was, like, rumored, and then I think, like, the story just checked out. Okay. So I don't see anything where they said that there was any kind of paternity test or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they were just like, yeah, so. Okay. This is what All we're right. doing. Um, so then months after dating, um, so they're together, they decide to stay together. And just months after dating, Mac transfers all of his property um, over to Tracy's name. Wow. Yeah, which includes like his home, his orchard, and two other pieces of land. Um, and people, of course, like in the town, they all go apeshit. Like his family, his right. his, his children, kids. His, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and everybody's like, "What the hell is are they doing? Like, what is happening over there? Why did he just give everything to his niece that's now his lover?" Mm-hmm. And so, like, what's going on? So they to escape all of like because the town just like turned on them essentially. They decide to move to Belize. Um, and they uh, they buy 50 acres of uh, land and a 50-acre farm, and then that's where they decide that they're going to start a bed and breakfast on. So they build a home there, um, and then they actually got married, and they thought that they could be free to be husband and wife, and nobody would know that they're actually related or whatever. Yeah. Um, so then t- uh, Mac wrote a will um, while they're leaving everything to Tracy and not a single thing to his children and not including all the real estate and also life insurance. Um, and so when they were getting the bed and breakfast up and going, um, they kind of ran into some money problems. They were losing money really quickly and they couldn't get the bed and breakfast open to start getting money coming in. Um, so then another thing happens where Max's granddaughter back home in Soap Lake um, it comes out that she's accusing him, her grandfather, of having molested her when she was a child. What? Yeah. And then so he starts he to defend himself or whatever. He starts to like write everybody back home like this isn't true. What did it, and, you know, yeah. like writing to all of his family members, like you know, um, trying to ask for forgiveness for you know leaving and for not leaving the many or you know and putting all the things in Tracy's name and blah, blah, blah. And so they're not really, you know, having it. They don't really want to talk to him that much. But he does write an email where he says, um, this is on Christmas Day 
uh, I believe in 2014, I believe, um, he, he wrote an email that to his son and, um, because it was Christmas and he, he said in the email, there was a lot of things, but in it, he said, I sure loved being your dad. And then according to Tracy, he then finished the email, went upstairs, went out onto the porch. And then moments later, Tracy says that she was in the kitchen making dinner and she heard a gunshot. And she said um, that, you know, sometimes he would just go out there and fire shots. So she didn't really think anything <laughs> of it. Like, what weird. Um, so then she um, went up there eventually and saw that Mac was laying on the floor. Um, and so, you know. She's like, sometimes he just lays on the uh, floor no, with a, no, with a gunshot. Gun. Gun. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing. She didn't call the police for three hours. She said that she just, you know, she when you, you, there's like video of her giving interviews and she's just very like, just a, like, you know, kind of like one of those dead-eyed hippies. No, like, I love hippies. I love hippies. I love hippie people. But you know those like, kind of like dead-eyed with like those icy blue eyes that are just like, I don't know, you know, I just, I cradled him and we spooned and I just wanted to lay with him, Ugh. you know, like, oh, just So she... Then, um, so she says that she laid there cradling him and spooning him. And she was like, I don't know if like it, it was, did he fall or did he, I don't, I didn't even know it was a gunshot. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. I mean, I heard a gunshot, yeah. but like, yeah, than anything. Maybe he slipped after he just shot into the air. Um, so basically, so by the time the ambulance gets there, he was still alive. <gasps> so he was still alive the whole time. But by the time they get to the hospital, um, five hours after he was shot, so the two hours later at the hospital, he died that night. Like, he totally could have survived if she would have called the police. And But when they asked her why she waited that long to call, she said, because I didn't know what to do in that country. Like, I didn't know police. Oh, oh okay. So you could uh, purchase land, yeah. get married, build a home, start a business... And you just can't, you know, operate telephones in this country. That, how do what? they do this? Are there police here? Do you, do I eat it? What? Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, it's just the w- craziest explanation to me of why you wouldn't call the police. You just didn't know how. Or, or like, go but, find a neighbor. Yeah. I don't But she just wanted to, you know, hold him in the rain. Um, so anyway, so then she reaches out. This story gets crazier, dude. Ugh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so she reaches out to his son Caleb um, to tell him that his her father his father had died, uh-huh. um, and then he comes to Belize. They bring her in, ask her questions, and she told him that you know he most likely took his own life because they had money problems, and that there are all these accusations now back mm-hmm. home about the molestation, um, and they were like, yeah, okay, but that's weird because the gunshot is to the back of his head. Like, not to... So, what the hell? But before the forensic report can come out, Tracy had already taken off and gone back to the States. Um, so, now she's the prime suspect. And her um, Max kids are convinced that she did it. Yeah. And that the motivation was financial. Because... Um, um, Everyone thought that it was crazy that Mac's whole life was always about building his legacy for his family and his children. You know, that was his whole thing. And then um, within months of being with Tracy, everything changed and he left everything to her. Yeah. So he left everything to her, including life insurance policies worth half a million dollars. Then 
another claim comes out by Tracy's mother. Tracy's mother then cl- accuses Mac um, of abusing Tracy when <gasps> she was a young girl. And then, um, and then it comes out that Tracy's mother at one point had a relationship with Mac. What? Yeah, when they were younger. So Tracy says like, uh, that she doesn't remember the molestation and she, she doesn't know if it happened or not. But her lawyer, who's um, he's actually like a celebrity lawyer. He's one of those like swarmy, like... You know, Billy the Flynn, uh, Billy Flynn, Billy the, what's the guy from Chicago is like the tap dancing lawyer, like, oh, I don't know, whatever. He's like one of those guys. Like he He actually represented, um, like he represented Ted Bundy at one point and some other So that's her lawyer? Yeah. Oh. So, but, so he is like, um, he suggests that maybe Mac did, um, molest her and that um, he has that he had some kind of emotionally abusive power over her and that's why they were in the relationship yeah. and you know blah 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 and he left her all the money which I don't know maybe maybe who knows right who knows so um, but Max kids file a wrongful death lawsuit and um, Tracy is claiming that this was filed by Caleb and Jennifer because Caleb who is Mac's son, was upset um, um, at her because the night that he came to Belize, Belize, on the night that his father died, Caleb, who is Mac's son and Tracy's first cousin and stepson, she claims that they took a shower together and then had sexual relations. Jesus Christ. <laughs> or she puts it that they were, quote unquote, involved. Like what? They were passionate in the together. Action, they were passionate. Mm-hmm. In the F. Like, so you're, so you're saying that on the night that your husband died. After you canoodled him for Yeah, five you just laid on the ground hours. with him for five hours. While he died. Then your thought is to go home and be like, so should we take a shower together? What do you think? Like, I'm feeling so dirty from all the blood that's on me from your father dying. Yeah. You want to join me? There's so, only one shower and one towel. Look at my dead eyes. <laughs> um, so Caleb, you know, vehemently, is that how you say it? Vehemently, yeah. Vehemently denies that this happened and says that she's a pathological liar yeah but tracy is saying that no 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 we've been carrying on an affair for years between 1999 and 2012 so she was only with mac for two years so she's saying that she was with caleb for 13 years okay including the night when her husband died so she's saying that like she's basically saying that she was with him this whole like since they were teenagers like this whole time and that but then so then what she would come back to the wedding and then bone his dad i don't it's crazy right it's crazy okay so um she says that you know caleb was there to comfort her when she was in pain and caleb completely denies that they had sex in belize but he doesn't deny that they had sex in the past Okay. So they wow, did. this is real twisty. And her mom yeah. was involved with the dad. Was Max crazy up and so Blake, dude? Um, so there's and so it turned out that they're not. They were never legally married. There's no legal marriage between Mac and Tracy because in Belize you cannot marry a family member, so oh. it's not legal. Um, and. Her lawyer has filed a defamation lawsuit against the children's lawyers 
Um, just, you know, because right. just like a way to, you know, prolong things, fight back or whatever. And Tracy is now living on the farm, on the apple farm, and cannot leave. And all of the assets are frozen at the moment. But so she's not been arrested for the murder? Nope, because she, she has to be extradited back to Belize. So she's oh. still, it, uh, she can't leave the apple farm. She's stuck on the apple farm. Hope she likes that. How do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, then in 2016, even though there was already a nasty, you know, battle. Um, so the celebrity uh, attorney, his name was um, John Henry Brown. Um, but anyway, the kids' lawyers, um, um, her name is uh, the attorney Karen Kohler, Kohler um, is um, saying, claiming that he is in an appropriately intimate relationship with his client. So she's saying, we've got 120 pages of declarations and exhibits that show that you are doing it with, with your Tracy. Client. Wow. Yeah. She must have like... So the, it's the dead eyes, man. Gold. <laughs> they really just... I mean, it just goes to show, like, men will yeah. fall for anything. So she's, yeah, she's doing <laughs> like, it with everybody. Like, oh, you, oh, you have sex with me? Okay. Yeah. I'll do whatever. So like, he claims that, like, that none of the, that it's all bullshit, none of that's true, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, they seem to have a lot of evidence. Um, but in um, 2017, uh, a Grant County judge ruled uh, that... Um, Tracy did not improperly convince Mac to give over, uh, give her the $2 million in property um, and other benefits before his death. Um, so he, he's saying that you can't prove that. Right. And there's no evidence. And so they weren't, um, so that basically so she can, even though the assets are frozen, it, the wrongful lawsuit was like, Dismissed. Dismissed, yeah. So she's still living on the farm, and um, she's just, you know, she's continuing to fight her extradition back to Belize, which still one day might happen. Wow. Yeah, I wonder how many people she's going to bone in. <laughs> so then. next time you eat a McNamara apple from Soap, <laughs> Soap Washington, just think about Tracy <laughs> yes. and her dead, dead eyes. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I have an immediate... Correction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot to say that part of the uh, forensics that came back, um, it, well, part of what came back in the forensics report, not only was that he was shot in the back of the head, but there was blood spatter on her shirt. Of course there was. But, and there was no gunshot residue on either of his hands or blood spatter on either of his hands. And they said that the shot had to have been from behind from someone that was shorter than him. So if it sounds like I'm giving Tracy a hard time, right? There's a, that's there's why a good I reason. just wanted to clear that up. Wow. I, yeah. it's just, I wonder what the extradition laws are. I don't know. For here in Belize. Well, obviously it's not easy to extradite, but that is, that's so nuts. I know. Um, okay. Well, I have a love story. Thank God. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is actually starts another love story that starts in India. Um, oh, yeah. Which I know I did that. I have done one before. Um, but I really loved this one. So this is about uh, a guy. His name is P.K. Mahandia. 
Um, and he was born in a remote village in East India in 1948. And he was a Dalit, which were considered the member of India's lowest class. Um, and they were called untouchable. Oh. Um, and so he faced discrimination as a child. Like he was born in an independent India, but he says that racism was rampant. Um, and he was made to sit outside of the classroom at school. So like he could go to school, but he couldn't sit in the classroom with the other kids. Um, and he described this, the caste system as a skyscraper without the lift. Like you're born on one floor and you die on the same floor. Um, he said when he was born, he was told that he would be working with colors and art. So that was like, um, his mother was very into, um, astrology. And so she consulted like an astrologist and that's what the astrologer told him and he actually was as a young child he showed a very a huge talent for drawing um and so he went to high school and then he was accepted into a couple different art schools for college but he could never afford the fees and he had to return home but then eventually in 1971 he received a scholarship from the state to study um fine arts at, at the fine arts sorry to study fine arts at the college of art in delhi so when he was studying at delhi to make money pk would paint portraits of people on the street and it was illegal. So every night the police would take him into custody, but they loved him. So they actually like, it it was like, he didn't have a place to stay. He couldn't afford the dorm. So he um, would stay at the station. He said, it was good. I had a bed and they fed me. And then during the day I would go to school and paint pictures of people. Um, So he started becoming noticed for his portraiture. Portraiture. He was his claim to fame was that he could capture anyone's essence in ten minutes. So he would he was very quick drawer and he would um, be on the street and he would draw people for in, in ten minutes. He would do these amazing portraits of them like a tiny car, <laughs> not caricatures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Big buck teeth. <laughs> and you're like I've seen these guys before. <laughs> DJ headphones on in front of a. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so he he shot to local fame um, when he drew Valentina Tereshovka, who was a Russian astronaut, and she was visiting India at the time at the invitation of the Prime Minister Indira Gandhi. Um, so he also, after he painted Valentina, he painted ten, ended up painting ten portraits of her, and he also was able to paint Indira Gandhi. So he was featured in newspapers and on television, and people began to like seek him out to have their portraits made. They would come to where he was in Delhi. And one of those people that sought him out was um, a woman named Charlotte von Shevden. And Charlotte came from a Swedish noble family. And she, so this is in 1975, and she had traveled across India, uh, to India, across what was known as the Hippie Trail. So it was um, a, a road that went from Europe to Turkey, um, Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, and then to India. So she had driven there with four friends and a one-year-old child <laughs> in a VW bus. Wow. Um, and just to travel, just to like travel the world. So, um, and when she saw PK um, drawing, she said she immediately felt drawn to the spot. She asked to have her portrait made, and she felt um, a very warm feeling seeing him with his curly hair and a smiling face. That's what she said. Um, but the man, so she, he was man for he was known for painting these incredible likenesses, but he really didn't capture Charlotte at all. And he says he was nervous because he was so struck by her beauty. He said he felt that she was sort of not just looking at me, she was looking inside me like an x-ray machine. And I thought, I must do justice to her beauty. So he, he told her, he was like, I've just did this is not right. Can you come back the next day and I'll do it again? 
and he came she came back the next day he painted her again and it still wasn't right so she came back a third day and he was like he confessed her he said i'm having a hard time concentrating and it wasn't just because of her beauty it was because of something his mother had told him years earlier so when he was a child, his mother had consulted a psychic. And, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and she, the psychic had told the mother that PK would marry a woman whose zodiac sign would be a Taurus. She would come from a faraway land. She would be musical and she would own a jungle. So the third day, he's looking at Charlotte and he says, are you a Taurus? And she was like, yeah. And then he asked, are you the owner of a jungle? And as actually as part of her Swedish nobility, Who owns a jungle. She did own a forest, like because wow. as part of her like um, her inheritance. Um, and then he was like, "Do you play a f- the flute?" And she said, "Yeah, actually, I love playing the flute and the piano." So, and then he told her in broken English right there on this third day that they had met. This is decided in the heavens. We are destined to meet. We are going to marry. You will be my wife. <gasps> And he said, I still don't know what made me ask her those questions and then invite her to tea. I thought she would complain to the police. And Charlotte laughed. I mean, she was like, okay, I don't think we're going to get married. But she did agree to go home with him to his village. And she said, like, I just followed my heart. And and when she was there, uh, she met his father, his brothers, and his sister. And she said it felt like coming home. They stayed in the village a few days. And at that time, they actually did get married in a tribal ceremony um, that was blessed by his father and his his brothers. And they went back to Delhi and they had this whirlwind romance for like two weeks. Um, but then it was time for Charlotte to go home. I guess her bus was leaving. <laughs> she was like, I got to go. Um, so she actually asked him to come to Sweden. and But at the time it wasn't possible because he was still studying and he didn't have any money. And so for a year and a half, they wrote letters back and forth. And she offered to pay airfare for him to come to Sweden but he felt like he didn't want to start their lives together by owing her something yeah yeah um so eventually after a year and a half he sold everything he owned um and he bought a secondhand bicycle and then so everything he owned plus the secondhand bicycle was $80 so he had $80 and he set out for Sweden following the same hippie path um that Charlotte had traveled to India on his bicycle on his bicycle so he started on January 22nd 1977 And he would bike about 44 miles every day. And he says, art came to my rescue. I made portraits of people and some gave me money while others gave me food and shelter. Um, And he, he, so he was on the road for five months and he finally reached Vienna on May 28th. And then he traveled the rest of the way by train. Um, And so is, they say that like there was some cultural shocks um, and, but the two got officially married in Sweden. Oh my God. How do you not marry that guy? Right? (laughs) And he said, I had no idea about European culture. It was all new to me, but she supported me in every step. She's just a special person. Um, And so now the 66 year olds live together with their two children in Sweden where he's still an artist. And he says, I still don't understand why people think it was a big deal to cycle to Europe. I did what I had to do. I had no money, but I had to meet her. I was cycling for love, but I never loved cycling. It's simple. And so they've been married for over 40 years now. And his one tip to a happy marriage is when I enter the house, I park my ego outside. Ego is connected to the mind. I call my human mind a mad monkey. But when you park your ego outside on the inside of the house, there is only openness. So I that, love that. Is it. Yeah, it's Charlotte and PK, and they're still married. Are there pictures? There are pictures okay, of them as young Instagram. people and as. Okay. Oh, there's pictures. Oh, Jen. oh good. <laughs> oh, we'll be posting some pictures. Oh, my, that's 
such an amazing story. I love it. Yes. So there are so many pieces to that story that I love so much. And I also uh, think we should all try checking our ego at the door. Of yeah, homes. that's a really good piece of advice. That is a good piece of advice. I mean, he, he, they asked the longer quote. He they say, you know, is there a secret? And he says, yeah, the secret is there's no secret. Like, yeah, you know, you have to work at it. And um, and then he says something about spirituality that I just brushed over. And then, but yeah, no, the oh, ego man. at the door. Also, I would imagine that, like, you know, if she ever gave him shit for anything he would just be like hey remember that time i biked 40 miles <laughs> right 40 miles a day for five months to get you remember yeah <laughs> like, okay yeah oh i love it yeah i think it's a beautiful story <laughs> hey salad yes jen are you ready for um things that are dumb and things that we love yes i am okay well i'll start because tonight is something real dumb, but okay. it's going to be fun. Um, so tonight, I totally forgot because I bought these tickets like in, it's July. I bought these tickets in like October, I think, just uh-huh. when they, they went up for sale. I was like, yeah, I want to go to that. And um, and then I completely forgot about it until um, I saw that my friend went to the show in Michigan. And I was like, oh yeah, I have tickets for that. Tonight I am going to see... Uh, New Kids on the Block. No! And Salt and Peppa. I am so <laughs> jealous. I am so jealous. It's so dumb, but I can't wait. No, I'm it's seriously, so- I, oh my gosh, I saw people posting about that had gone in, I think Chicago maybe, or LA, and I was just like, oh, I wish I had like thought far enough ahead to go to that. Yeah. I like... I mean, I yes. feel like I'm going with my friend Sam Krantz, who's always up for uh, doing dumb shit like this. But I'm always, if I see things like, uh, and I hope it's, I hope it's fun. I hope it is. I've, I've heard that it's really great okay. that they actually curate it really well, and okay. that it's like a new kids pre- presents, and that they kind of like go in and out and do different. Okay. Like, yeah, it's that it's really well done. Because the thing is I've bought tickets to so many things before well I'll hear the title and just think like yeah definitely yeah. like I flash danced the musical I was like yeah I'll take two <laughs> but then when I went it was not that good and I just went to Countess Luann and Friends I was like yeah I'm going to that and it was I went with Annie Lockwood and it was so sad was it and it was so not worth the money they were so expensive the tickets they were like a hundred bucks a piece oh and my it gosh. was just like I remember looking at the uh, when we got there and I was looking at the stage and just the stage setup, I was like, they left the tickets on the fake plants. Oh my I could gosh. See the, they're 1999. I can yeah. see it from here. I'm like, <laughs> 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 and so, just like, just so thrown together and like not funny, not bad, funny, not funny, bad, bad, funny. Is that what I'm trying yeah. to say? It was just bad. Oh. And so I'm really hoping that tonight is going to be fun. I um, think it's going to be amazing. I'm I'll so jealous. Next time. Um, and we bought stupid outfits to wear. Oh, it was so fun. And I was just thinking about the fact that I remember like uh, one time going to see Aerosmith with my mom and there were all, which is another really funny long story I'll have to tell you another time. But I'll, oh, oh my God, I want to tell you guys one day the story about how the band Aerosmith fell in love with my mom. Uh, yeah. It's really good. I'll tell it next time. Um, so... Um, but anyway, I went with, they gave her tickets 
okay. uh, and backstage passes to the show, I went with her. And I remember seeing like all these women that looked older wearing like 80s outfits. And I remember thinking like, oh How my sad. God, did they never <laughs> grow up? Did they never stop wearing? And now I get it. And I'm like, I'm going to wearing like over, like a one-sided overall deal and create crimped hair. Yeah. And like, of course, that's not how I dress. Like, I get it now that they were probably just like, fuck yeah, let's go see yeah, you. Let's do like, it. Yeah. It, yeah. So um, <laughs> we're going to be those ladies tonight. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. That is, I am, I am. I, I, you're gonna have so much fun! I can't wait to hear everything about it. I was I... such a huge both of those bands. Who's your Pepper. favorite new kid? Oh well, I mean, okay. So obviously, Joey was my favorite new kid, right? Because he was everybody who was younger. You're like, well, he's the youngest. He's closest to my age. Mm, not me. I was Donnie all the way. Oh really? See, I bad boys. You like the bad? See, I actually, <laughs> if you had asked me, like when I was younger, I would have said Jonathan because he was like quiet. He was like the one that nobody likes, so I was like, well, maybe I'll I'll take that one. I'll take that one, right? It's like, well, everybody else likes the other one. I'll take the the one that nobody likes. That's awesome. You're like, I just don't want to wait in a long line. (laughs) No, but but if I, my heart, it was Joey McIntyre was my favorite. Gotcha. I can't believe you were a Donnie. I just, I don't know. He was so bad. Oh, man. I love it. I dumb love that. Awesome. What's your uh, dumb thing and love thing that you love? Um, okay, so that's uh, tied together, as I think um, we are want to we do. keep doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I finally read, and by read, I mean I listened to the audiobook of um, Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered. Yes. And which I think, you know, I mean, I think if you are listening to this podcast and you are also a fan of My Favorite Murder, you probably can tell that we are also big fans of My Favorite Murder. Like, yes. Um, it certainly has inspired us. And, um, and so I listened to it and I had been having, the dumb thing is, is I've been having like lots of kind of like, you know, like, why, why am I not become why am I not doing getting these things why am I not you know just the like jealousy that you and and kind it's of hard when you do stand up yeah when you just, do stand yeah. up and you're in like an artistic your creative fields and you're you know I'm a freelancer so I I everything is my own hustle you know and right. it's it's hard it wears on you where you're just like oh I just can't quite break through to that next thing and and so I've been kind of feeling like that for a little while but I but there was one part in the book where they just are, I can't remember, I think it's Georgia is talking about like, why not me? Yeah. Like, why not? Why not? What, you know, you just kind of like, you deserve to be successful too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not saying like, why, why am I not doing something else? It's like, well, why not me? Why actually, why not me? And so it really like, for some reason, it's such a simple thing, but it totally resonated with me. I think I texted you and was just like, I'm feeling so motivated. (laughs) (laughs) That was, um, yeah. When I finished the book, um, and I remember telling you about it and yeah. I, like, I, I didn't expect the book. I knew it was going to be fun and great and super fun read. I love the podcast, but I didn't expect like how many times that book would make me cry. It was yeah. just like a very moving book and it's so raw and they really put themselves out there and told such beautiful personal stories. Yes. And it, they were also so, uh, 
also so uplifting and motivating and on, on the in the same sense like and, and on different stories like it was just yeah. such an emotional I really book. felt like a beautiful book it was a self-help book that I could take in because usually I'm yeah. just like oh I can't even yeah do the flowery blah 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 you know I just can't I'm too much of a cynic to take in yeah. a lot of that stuff, but I felt like this was like on my wavelength I, and I really just, yeah, I really connected to it. And, um, and that just that, like, why not me? Why not? Yeah. yeah. Just go for it and don't have like quit doubting and just go yeah. for it. Just do it. So anyway, that I awesome. hope that it also inspires some people. Um, so read the book, read you guys. the book. I it's mean, great. Or listen I, to it. I posted about it on my personal Instagram, um, after I read it and I was so, like I'm so grateful to them for writing it. I just wanted to like put it out there, but I also was too embarrassed to tag them in it because I didn't want to look like like a, a fan girl. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't. Well, I didn't want the. I don't know. I just didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but I posted it on my page, just saying like you know, um, telling everybody to read it, just because I can't recommend it enough. It's and I'm I'm just so. I've never been more grateful for someone to like take the time to write a book like that yeah yeah I agree I agree it was great um and uh you know you can also even though Jen didn't want to make them uncomfortable you can always make us uncomfortable yeah like, tag us yeah tag stuff. us tag us um and uh and keep like sending us messages it makes us so happy to know that you're listening and that you're enjoying tell us what you're not enjoying but like do that privately um <laughs> but all of our stuff is at um dumb love podcast so facebook um, and oh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all dumb love podcast. You can email us at, um, dumblovepod at gmail.com. And we started a Facebook group. Yes, we did. So there's a Facebook so discussion. talk about it. Yes. Just find it. It's dumb love podcast. Um, so yeah, find, join the discussion group. We're going to talk about, uh, stories and hear some of your stories and anything you find in the news that's funny and talk about, you know, just stuff. So we would love to have you there. Um, so find that and, um, I'm sure we'll post about it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll post about everything. Um, and thank you guys again so much for listening. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We're so grateful for you. We're grateful for you. Uh, have a great week and go do something dumb for love. Thank you. Dumb.